Bibles with you this morning, turn to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 this morning. And as you can see from the, from the screen, we're going to be uh, talking about being overcomer from 1 John chapter 5 and uh, the last part of this chapter. Um, as we get into this, when you know uh, who is in control of something, when you know uh, who is calling the shots, uh, so to speak, it gives you an idea. If you know the person, you, you tend to know how they will do things, how they will choose, how they will want things run. Um, one thing comes to mind as if you are a, a fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes football team, you know their, their football coach. Kirk Ferentz, uh, likes to run things in a certain way. Uh, he is very conservative in his, in his play calling, to the point that even as a fan sometimes you're beating your head against the wall, like, can we not change it up at all? I mean, you can almost predict, and yep, knew, that, knew we were going to call that. Uh, you can almost predict what he's going to call. Uh, because uh, if you've watched him... Uh, you know what he's going to do. You know what his tendencies are. Um, and as a fan, it can almost drive you crazy thinking, can we uh, do a fake punt, a fake, do something different to change it up? But he is the one that is in control of the team. He is the one uh, choosing how the plays are going to be run. And it's up to him. So, you know, as long as he's at Iowa, things are going to be run in this manner. Um, just this past Monday, uh, Zach Johnson, a golfer from here in Iowa, just won the Open. And if if you're a fan of golf at all, you know that, that Zach Johnson does not do anything uh, flashy or fancy. He doesn't drive the, the golf ball a long ways. He doesn't he doesn't put tons of a, a spin on it, making it go from from left to right or anything like that. He is just a very consistent golfer in he knows what his game is and he sticks with it. And it, he was very he's been very successful with that instead of trying to do something that is not within him. Um, so in, in that idea of knowing how things are run, knowing that when we know who is in control of something, it gives us an idea of what's going to come. And in first John, chapter five, in verse 18, we read. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Did my mic just cut out? Like, wow, it got suddenly quiet in here. Maybe it's an answer to prayer already from someone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, speaking of prayer, before we go into this, let's just stop and seek God's blessing on it. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we, as we open your word, we first give thanks, knowing that your word is true. Thank you that we have it in front of us, that we can open it and and look and and see, uh, really look into your heart, your word uh, for us and to us and about yourself. Lord, as we look to it now, we ask 
for your guidance on our time. I ask that you would guide me, that uh, I would I would say exactly what you desire me to, that our, our hearts would be focused on you and on your word, and that we would be obedient to whatever it is that you teach us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Starting out, what we want to do is focus on, and I just want to, to focus on verse 19, where he says, We know that we are of God, and then listen to this last part, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one or the evil one, um, or it lieth in wickedness or under the wicked one, or it is in control of the wicked one. Um, and John says here, uh, there's only two choices. You are either following God and under his control, or you are following the evil one. You are following Satan and under his control. Now, just think of that last uh, part of, of verse 19 that, that we read in as we sit here in southern Iowa, that the entire world lies under the sway or under the control of the wicked one. So he says there's no middle ground. It's either you are a born again believer, you are following God or you are following the devil. So think about that and don't let it don't let it frighten you. Well, I guess if you are if you are not under the control of God, it should bring fear into our lives. But don't let it frighten you. But let us look at it knowing what what are we going up against and then how can we become an overcomer? So what does this mean? Well, it means that if the world, as this verse tells us, lies under the power of the evil one, then the evil one is the ruler of this world, and this world is actually an evil place to live. And this time we live in is an evil time, just like 100 years ago was an evil time. And would most of you say that uh, today, that, yes, I understand that this world that we live in is an evil one. Um, We would like to think that, maybe if we watch the news we would say that, but... All humanity is trying to tell us how good of a place, and if we just change these things, we can create a a good environment for everyone to live in. And if we change a few laws, we can change. But God's word tells us that this world is under the control of the wicked one. Um, So it tells us that this age or this world that we live in is evil. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And in Galatians 1 and verse 4, it says, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Um, These days are evil and this age is evil because it is under the control of an evil one. Now, if we look at the world in light of this, it actually makes a lot of sense. The things that are happening around us, the things that are uh, being uh, decided by uh, not only our government here, um, but in other countries and the evil that is taking place. You cannot listen to the news. You cannot watch the news without hearing just in this past week of a couple of shootings that took place of just evil everywhere. And when we look at it in light of what God's word says, 
that the the days are evil, that it is under the control of the wicked one. Um, And so in Colossians chapter one and verse 13, it says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So Paul is talking about salvation here, and he says that we have gone from darkness or being under the control of darkness or the evil one. And now, because of what Christ has done in us, we are now translated into the kingdom of God and children of light. So to be saved, to be delivered out of darkness and now into the power of light. Um, So we see that this age that we live in is is evil. Where we are surrounded by evil. There is there's evil everywhere we look. But then we also see the a description of Satan and that he is, it says, the God of this world in Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So as we look at this, think about the world that you live in here. We like to we like to say or we you've heard from the the movie. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. But if you look around you, even here in this beautiful part of Iowa, it doesn't take long to see that the world that we live in is evil, that it is under the control of an evil one. And in John 17 and verse 14, he he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus says, I do not pray that you should be take that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So what does Jesus say? He says, I don't pray Father, that you take them out of this evil world, but I pray that you would be with them because and and guide them in these evil days. And in first John four and verse four says, you are of God, little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And this is where we come to the part of becoming an overcomer. It's easy and looking, man. There is a lot of evil around us, uh, no matter where we look. And, and reading verse 19, the whole world lies under the control or under the sway of the wicked one. And that the time is evil. But in 1 John 4, 4, he says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. This word overcome means to subdue or to conquer, uh, to prevail against or to gain victory over. Now, if you look in first John chapter five, um, in verse one, he says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. But this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So from first John four, four, and now in in first John chapter five, we read that 
We are to be overcomers. That is God's desire for us. And it's the same exact word used here in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 as it is in 1 John 4, 4 of that we are to prevail against evil. We are to overcome. In John 16 and verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The exact same same word is used here. So what what are we to overcome or what have we overcome because of Christ? Well, the first thing that we have overcome is sin. Look in verse 18 of chapter five. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Now, is this verse saying that if you are truly a child of God, you will never, never sin again? I hope that's not what that is saying, because otherwise none of us here are a child of God. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that you guys and myself have probably all sinned recently. So that's not what the verse is saying. It is saying that we are no longer under the power of sin, that we were before Christ, slaves of sin. We were under the influence of sin and we were slaves to sin. Uh, whatever our flesh desired, whatever uh, we um, whatever we desired, we did. There was no there was no restriction. There was no spirit holding us back. And he says that we know that when we have been born of God, the power of sin is removed. Now, this, of course, is as long as we are applying what Christ has given us as a child of God. The power of sin is removed. If you look at your life in your growth as a Christian, can you see where the power of sin is removed? Where, yes, you still there's still temptation that comes into life, but the power, the control of sin that had in your life before salvation is, is being removed, that now you have the spirit of guide of God guiding you. But not only is the power of sin removed, but the guilt that comes from sin is removed. We have been, uh, we sang the song, power in the blood. We have been cleansed with the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the guilt of sin has been removed because we now are clean. We are now spotless before Christ. But then also the punishment of sin. Uh, hopefully you all are familiar with Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Before, what we were earning was death. We were servants of sin. We were earning death. Those were our wages. But now, because of Christ, now that we have been born again, we now have eternal life. So what have we, what have we overcome in Christ? We have overcome sin and we have overcome death upon receiving Christ. Death has been overcome. We have passed from death to life. We have gone from earning the wages of our sin and receiving them in death to having the gift of God, which is eternal life. In first Corinthians 15 and first uh, Corinthians 15 is probably one of my favorite chapters But verses 54, let's turn. 
First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. I love this chapter because it talks about because of Christ's resurrection, uh, what what we have now. And if Christ was not risen, what would have been the outcome? And in first Corinthians 15 and down in verse 54, it says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the sting of sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory, or allows us to overcome, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What does it say in verse 56? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have victory over death because of what Christ has done, even in light of there being a a ruler of this time that is controlling the world that is evil. Even though there is evil all around us, we can know victory. And that that word victory is has the same the same uh, meaning as being a overcomer or conquering or claiming the victory. But we also have overcome in Christ the world and its ruler. As we started out looking at the ruler of this world, I'm glad to tell you that we, as born-again believers, have overcome this ruler that is is controlling things around us, that is wicked, and... Um, no matter how many uh, battles Satan is winning around us, the end, we already know that Christ is victorious. As we started out singing today, rejoice, the Lord is king. It's not we hope in the end that he will be victorious. He has already claimed the victory and um, the time is coming and Satan knows that his time is limited. So. He is trying to do all he can to make his, wreak as much havoc before his time is up. So knowing that this world and its ruler have not claimed the victory over us, in 1 John 4, verse 5, where he says, But you have overcome the world. Victory that Christ has won is guaranteed, but victory is still needing worked out in my life today. You know what? I'm not always victorious every day in my walk with God. There's there's times where where that I don't do what I should be doing. There's times where I don't put the victory that Christ has guaranteed into practice in my life. And so Christ has guaranteed that there will be a victory and there will be victory. But it is still needing worked out in my life today. Uh, victory is not going to be easy in the sense that it, it takes work, it takes growing, it takes, it takes work in our life, or automatic. It's not just going to happen at the moment of salvation, which we could all, we could all testify to. But it has been won for us, and we need to put it into practice. 
So how can we how can we become an overcomer today? Just want to look at a couple of things. How can we become an overcomer? Well, here in first John, in the first part of chapter five, he says that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten. And then if you skip down to verse four, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So the first step in all of this is how to become an overcomer. First of all, it does not happen apart from faith and belief in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. As I said, before salvation, we were servants of sin. We did. uh, We just mindlessly followed sin. Um, We obeyed the whatever, whatever sin, whatever the flesh, whatever the devil desired us. And there was no even as hard as we might try. There was no overcoming that on our own. But thankfully, God loved us enough that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so that we could believe in him and be born again and know victory. So being an overcomer takes believing in Jesus Christ, being born again and having a faith in Jesus Christ, having faith in him, resting in his power, trusting in what he said that he will do it and resting in that, not relying on myself, not relying on someone else, not relying on something else, but having faith that God will do exactly as he said. And here we read that whoever is born again or whatever is born again of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory of the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. So. We see that if we are to overcome the world, it starts by having a faith in Jesus Christ, being born again by believing in him and trusting in him. But then we also see in verse two that an overcomer is one that will show love, that will practice love. Verse two says, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Love of our brothers and sisters is a sign that we are a child of God. In first John chapter three, it says in verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Think think about that verse. We know we have gone from being servants of sin, being slaves of sin from walking in death to life from the love that we have for our brethren by putting it into practice. So what what is there? Is that an evidence in your life today? If someone were to look at at your life and say, man, would they say, ah, that person really has love for their brethren? Or would it be? I don't know. It's kind of depends what day you, you see them. Is it evident that we have passed from death to life? As we know, love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling that we get. Love is a choice that we make. Are we going to choose to love? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you have heard that it has been said that you should love your neighbor and that you should hate your enemy. 
But Jesus said, But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than they? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So if you want to become an overcomer today, it has to start with faith believing in Jesus Christ, but then it's also showing love. And what do we see in verse 2 and verse 3? That we know that we love him if we keep his commandments. And if we keep his commandments, they are not burdensome. So an overcomer is one who walks in obedience with Jesus Christ. One who walks in obedience. Obedience out of love. Not obedience out of a duty, But obeying God because we love God, not because, well, I know his word says this, so I better do it. I know it's true. We don't like when people do stuff for us because they feel obligated, because they have to. We all enjoy people doing things for us because, hey, I just did this for you because I I knew that you would enjoy it and I wanted to do this for you. God desires us to obey with a heart of love for him, not a heart of duty. He wants our heart to be right in obeying. It's not just important the act of obeying. If you have kids or you have been around kids, you know the truth of that. They might obey, but their heart or their attitude might not be right. Have any of you ever seen that take place? If you haven't, I don't think you've been around kids. It's like if, if I were to, to tell one of them, you know, you need, to, you need to pick up your shoes and put them in the closet. And if these are their shoes sitting there. Now, if they do it with a good attitude, they'll just pick their shoes up, come over here, put them in the closet. No big deal. If their attitude is not right, which happens on occasion, then there could be a flopping on the ground. There could be and they might obey, but it might be. I'm going to take these shoes and I'm going to open the door and I'm going to chuck the shoes in the closet and slam the door. Now, when that happens, do I say, hey, thanks for obeying. I'm so I'm so happy that you chose to obey right there. No, probably not. Did they do the action that I asked them to? Yes, they put the shoes in the closet. Did they do it with the right attitude, with the right heart? Not even close. And how many times do we come before God and I know I need to do this. I know I'm supposed to love, love my brothers and sisters. I don't want to, but I'm going to do it. And the whole time we're just grumbling and complaining inside of us. And when God looks, looks down, I think it's like when we see our kids throwing their shoes in the closet with a lot of force. We're doing the action, but our heart is not right. And he is not pleased at all with that. So he desires us to obey with the right attitude, but also complete obedience. It's not a partial, well, I mostly did what I was supposed to. No, if we are to become an overcomer, if we are to be victorious, it means complete obedience. 
But then lastly, an overcomer focuses on the end, meaning their view is on eternity, is on heaven. I know how it's going to end. There's a battle going on right now, but it's not going to end like this. And they keep their focus on eternity. They know that heaven is their home and they live for eternity. They know that Satan's time is limited and they know that Christ has already claimed the victory. So today, looking at your life, would you say, I can see where I am growing in being an overcomer, that I am uh, gaining victory over sin, that I am seeing victories in my life? Or is it, man, I didn't even know there was a battle going on. If that's where you are, you need to stop and, and consider if you are a child of God today. I, I saw this quote, and I want, to, uh, I want to close with this. It is foolish to lose when we have the power to win. Think about in that, that in your life. It's foolish to know defeat and to lose when God has given you the power to win. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the victor. That you conquered death. You conquered the grave. Lord, I thank you for seeing us in our uh, slavery to sin and having compassion and having love for us and sending your son so that we could know freedom. Lord, I pray for each one here today that, first of all, that they would know the salvation that is found only in you. And then that we would not live defeated lives, but that we would be overcomers, that we would be victorious, that we would um, be ready to celebrate in eternity with you. Lord, I thank you for your love for us. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen.